Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and the brightest in the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. My guest today, Kelly Cardenas, is an author, podcaster, and founder, CEO of a national multi million dollar salon brand and a cultural efficiency coach. I want to know what that is. Uh, he's a go to when it comes to constructing a culture that will have some. Sorry, sustained success in all aspects of your business. He believes that building an iconic brand, business, and empire is a simple process once we start to focus on what really matters. And Cardenas System zeroes in on the heartbeat of any organization, which are the people. And I'm excited to unpack his career journey and find out what the real Kelly is all about. So let's do this. Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on, man. You are a genius. I've been listening to you uh, for quite some time, and I'm just, I'm a huge fan. So. I appreciate that. And and I made a mistake as a podcaster. So here's a little podcast 101. So typically before I record every show, I ask a guest, no matter how much I think I know how to pronunciate their last name, how to say it. So did I say it right? Is it Cardenas? Oh, yeah, Cardenas. Yeah. My okay. my grandma would be mad at you. Um, Why? But she she always said that it was Cardenas, um, which it, which it is. But I, I didn't I speak Spanish I could roll my arms, but I'm not doing know, it on the show I here know. and butchering your name. So you're fine. You're fine. She would just hit you with a pan. Oh, no. Well, my mom used to hit me with a wire hanger when I was little. And that was that was brutal, too. So let's let's you know, let's you know, <laughs> let's bring everyone up to speed here. And anybody who's watching the video clips, you'll see that Kelly is sitting in a in a pretty awesome chair. And I love his his setup here. We got between two ferns, but I guess you call it between two perms because you're in the hair care business. So we could go. <laughs> You're like, I never even thought of it. Tell me you never thought of Between Two Perms. <laughs> no, I haven't. That's a funny one, though. I like I it. I mean, you could do a, you could do a spinoff on it. So <laughs> let, let's let's talk about your career trajectory. And I want to take it back to the fourth grade, um, where your father used to make you write 10 pages of notes a day before you could go outside um, about, you know, it happened, you know, you wanted to purchase this, what, this course, right? This $4,500 course. Tell us about that story. Well, he bought the course, so he didn't have the money. Uh, but you know, it was one of those things. It was the personal development. Um, it was before it all got uh, really, uh, you know, popular. Um, but he bought the course, and uh, there was the course for the parents that they listened to, and then we literally would have to listen to, um, you know, motivational, inspirational, and practical application tips. Um, we would have to listen to them, and then take ten pages of notes before we could go out and play every day, which made us uh, not that happy as fourth and fifth graders. And but, but what kind of course was this? I mean, was it like a Tony Robbins type course? I mean, what, what was the impetus behind it? Was it self-improvement? Why do you want you guys to? It was a million, course? it was a millionaire course. And basically what it was, was, you know, teaching you principles, how to become a millionaire. And uh, one of the principles was to go out and sell this course to a bunch of other people. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, what, what was MLM. 
Yeah. What was great about it though, Adam, is all the principles that I was mad at because I couldn't play with my friends right after school are all the principles that I built my career and my company on years and years later that I had no idea. And I still have the notebooks to this day. And that's why when my wife reads them, she knows why I'm weird. Isn't that interesting how that works? Those, those early lessons. And let me ask you, what did your dad do for a living? My dad was in the military at the time, so he worked with NASA. He was one of the first uh, seven safety people with NASA, which was the lucky seven. Um, but he always had dreams of, uh, of grandeur. And so he always uh, had in his mind that whatever you put your mind to, it was very simple. You just lock onto it and then you focus on it until you get it. And um, that's, that, that was right in line with that course. And so it took us quite, right. um, quite a journey. But, um, you know, like I said, I, I took the positive parts out of it and I utilize all the principles today. Where did the entrepreneurial spirit come from that you have today? Did your dad have it? Did your mom, did anybody else in that family, did anyone have that, that, that bug, that itch that you need to scratch? Where'd that come from? Um, I never really had the bug or the itch. It was just, it was forced into me. I mean, my dad said that I had to take 10 pages of notes. I had to listen to what he called sleep teaching. So he put a Walkman uh, 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 headphone in my pillow and my brother's pillow. And we have to listen to it uh, all night while we slept. We had to listen to motivational tapes. And then he oh, made us have to mow three lawns before did, we got to play on Saturday. So it was, it was forced. It wasn't a, a Did that point your dreams? Like, did you have nightmares about what you were listening to? Like that had to affect, I mean- any any child psychologists out there? I don't know what they would think about this, but looking back on it, I guess it worked out fine. Mm -hmm. Well, it's I mean, it's subconscious learning. You look at it today, right. getting into the subconscious is one of those things. And for me, you know, if you if you do the math on it, I did 70 hours a week, which was 10 hours a day. And, you know, in 50 weeks, it's 3,500. In two years, I did 7,000 uh, hours yep. of self-improvement before that was in sixth grade. So to put that in perspective, if you were to do one hour a day now, it would take you 20 years to get what I got by the time I was six uh, in sixth grade. Well, something, something worked out there. Um, <laughs> so let, let's get to the hair story. Cause I think this is really interesting. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, you know, your dad bought you a pair of clippers in the fifth grade and you started cutting the family dog's hair. Right. And then your brother, how, how did this work out? Like, was there, was there again, you know, where, where did this kind of uh, interest and, and, and desire with cutting hair came from? Well, it came out of desperation, man, which I think is the greatest inspiration, right? So we didn't have any money. Um, my dad thought he could save money by shaving the dog. We tried it one time. We didn't uh, chain the dog up, which you're supposed to. Oh, and the dog ran away. And my brother turned the clippers on me. And it was, he was bigger than me. My older brother was bigger than me. <laughs> so it was either take a beat down or take I a haircut. And I was down with taking a haircut. Right. And so then, so then what happened? How did you get the Clippers back in your hand for the first time? Well, I mean, it, my buddy, uh, Will, shout out to him, best friend since I was in fourth grade. He needed a haircut. He didn't have any money either. And, um, you know, he, he was the guinea pig. We jacked him up really, really bad. His mom was <laughs> mad at us. And, um, you know, but it was that thing in me that my dad told me and my mom always told me, no matter what you ever did, it's to take and focus and be the best at that thing. So when I was cutting hair, I just simply wanted to be the best at that thing that I possibly could be. And I started to look at how could I make the fade better? How could I, you know, do these things better? And it just started to progress that way. I love it. There's such an art to it. And, uh, luckily for me, I, I found a great, um, there, there's a difference. Let's talk about it. Right. Like some very, there's. What, how do you describe the difference between a barber and a hairdresser? Um, well, a barber can uh, do a straight razor shave and a hairdresser um, is not allowed to. That's the, really the only difference, technically. So it's a technicality. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. It's just a licensing thing. Um, you know, I have respect for both sides, but what I found Adam was that for me, it was never about hair. It was never about a haircut. It was never about color. It was about the fact that the, the hair was a conduit to people. And if I could touch the soul of the person, I could do anything. And that's why for me, it transcended so many things and it, it helped me in my career today and the, the public speaking realm and the, the consulting realm and, and helping businesses to be able to grow because Literally, if I can do it in the professional beauty industry, we found that we could do it in every other industry also. Yeah, that's tremendous. And and your your brothers are pretty successful too. How much of that uh, you know inspired you when you went to you know hairdressing school to really um, drive your own hustle and success? Uh, absolutely none of it. Seriously, my my parents told me that uh, never to compare yourself to anybody. They raised me on three principles, which was that I was awesome no matter what I did. I was beautiful and just being myself, never compare myself to anyone, and that I could do anything that I put my mind to, but just because I could do it didn't make it my purpose. And so as long as I was stayed in line with my purpose and I was willing to do the work that it took, that I could do anything. And so I went into I went into it with almost a, a ignorant bliss. And uh, of uh, optimism that said, like, let me try this out. Let me try it out and see. And if it doesn't work, <laughs> shit, like, let's move on. I mean, what what else did you have in the back of your mind aside from being a hairdresser, as far as business and, and a career? For me, it was never about business. It was always about people. I just knew if I could get in front of somebody, magic could happen. And so everyone had always told me the methods, right? Like, here's the method, the seven steps to success or whatever it was. And for me, it was never about the methods. It was about the moment. And if I could stay in the moment, I had crazy opportunities. And I found that, I mean, it was really, Adam, it was three basic principles. Number one, be really kind, be of contribution to people. And when people walk away that they feel like, wow, you added something to my life. Number two, make a lot of friends. If you contribute to people, you'll make friends, you know, and I, I, I tell you this, and I, I probably told you this on the first time we, we met, I told you that I would force you to be my friend for the rest of your life. And the last one is to work hard. And if you work hard at being kind, you'll make a lot of friends. And when you make a lot of friends, you don't have to be good at anything. You just end up in circles and the magic begins to happen. I, I, I like that, right? Like, you know, you, you create this circle around you, you know, surrounding yourself with good people, but that takes a little bit of work too. People think it, it doesn't, doesn't happen overnight. Um, I mean, we're, I always say that, you know, my, my wife and I, our, our net worth is not defined by how much money we have, but surrounded by the quality of the people that we have around us. And I truly believe it. And there's times when I look around and I'm just so thankful and grateful that we have, you know, this community, this tribe of, of friends. And that's what it's really about. And, and, and deep friendships and adding value um, to each other. So, so back to the hair story, cause I think it's pretty fascinating here. Um, why did you decide to become an educator in the hair space after you were, you were trained and you got into business? Well, I feel that it's, it, I've always been blessed. I've always been blessed, but with so many people around me that have, that have helped me in so many ways. And I wanted to help people and, you know, I wanted to help and I wanted to pass it on because for me, my mind breaks things down into the lowest common denominator, right? So I look at a process, I cut away the fat, And when we cut away the fat, then it helps people to be more efficient. And when they're more efficient, they make more money and they get the opportunity to spend more time with their family, which is the reason why I wanted to help people in the first place. I I love it. So let's talk about your mentor, Paul, Paul Mitchell. How did, how did you, how did you first, and, and listen, I think everybody should know who that is at this (laughs) stage. How, how did you first meet him? And let's talk about that initial interaction. Well, the guy you're talking about is uh, actually John Paul DeJoria. So Paul Mitchell died in 1989. So Sorry. most people wouldn't even know his uh, what he looks like. It's okay. No one does. But uh, John Paul, uh, you know, I, I happened, just like everything else, 
it happened upon. Uh, I was looking for classes to go to and a woman walked into our salon said, I've got this class. I ended up at a, a place and it was a, a, a certification for a national educator for Paul Mitchell, which I had no idea, mm. but I was excited about it. I brought the excitement, the enthusiasm. I was in the moment and guess what happened? Um, then when I first met him, I mean, I met him very quickly. Hi, my name is mm -hmm. Kelly. I was taught just always look him in the eye and tell him your name. Two and a half years later, Adam, John Paul, the guy with the ponytail that, that everybody knows, right. walks into a room of about 80 people. People split because he's got that kind of presence. He yeah, walks through. I'm about, part. I'm about halfway through the room. He walks right up to me and says, hey, Kelly, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. And I was thinking, how in the world, two years and I had only interacted with him one time. And then I asked him years later, I chased him down because he's a good friend of mine now. And I asked him, I said, John Paul, how do you do this? Because you do it with everyone. And I watch him. He said, I simply stay grateful. I stay grateful in my life and it helps me to stay present. And when I'm present, there's magic in the moment. Let's pause on that for a second there, because I think there's a, a lot of magic in what you just said. Um, and I've seen some extremely successful uh, and, and, and people who are known in pop culture, do the same thing. I'm like, how, these people come into contact with so many people in their life who want their attention. How do they remember? Because it's almost a gratitude thing because they know they know that they've achieved such success in their life that a great way to give it back is to be present and give that recognition how much it means to somebody else. So they make a point of being super present. It's incredible. Something that I'm trying to do more, more in my life too. And I think it opens up to your point, Kelly. It just opens up so many doorways and, and just positivity. That's tremendous. I love that story. Yeah, that's that 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 that's actually a good one. So let's talk a little bit about the salon experience, right? We've all seen those kind of those barbershop movies. Um, but the salon, take us take us inside, you know, the the salon magic there, the dynamic, and what it really takes to um, create a fantastic salon experience for the folks that work there and for the customers. What's some of that secret sauce? Well, I think one of the biggest ones is coming in with no agenda, um, you know, and this is a place when in any space, in any business, and it transcends, right? Every time that someone comes in with an agenda, you can see them from a mile away, someone trying to sell something on the back end, trying to, you know, get you into a place and, and finally sell you on something. And what we taught always was that we wanted to walk in with no agenda, except contributing to that person's life. How can we make that person's life better? And then what we did was we systemized it down to the lowest common denominator. And I find that, you know, in any business, the systems inside the business, 95% of failure, Adam, is not people, it's systems. And if you will create the systems, manage the systems, and love the people, <laughs> there's so much magic in that. And that's how we were able to build the brand. Yeah, that's, that's a good one too. But let's talk about failure for a moment because we've all had them in a career. And I read a story um, in your salon in Carlsbad, right? <laughs> you, didn't all the employees walk out? There was, there was uh, tell us that story. Better coming oh, yeah. from your mouth than mine. Well, I mean, it was a Saturday, uh, you know, I got a call from the director and she said, Hey, I'm leaving. And then I said, well, why don't you uh, wait until, you know, let's go tell the crew together. We walked in and we told the crew and then the whole crew left in that time. So it was a almost a million dollar business. It was $880,000. That but why, um, they, did. why were they leaving? Why? I mean, was it like middle, of the, like middle of the day you had customers in there? I mean, why no, were people the, leaving? It was the end of the day. And I have to take responsibility for it always because it was cultural, right? Every challenge in any business happens, uh, has to do with their culture. And it was the culture. I mean, they, they, I don't believe that the people quit the company. I believe that they quit me. And that's what I had to look in the mirror and say, you know, what are the things that I'm Boy. doing? How am I serving and how can I serve better? So, I mean, a hundred percent falls on me. Um, I made a mistake. Uh, you know, I made, I obviously made some mistakes. I want to grow from it. I want to communicate at a high level and the communication was off. And the, I don't think that the people feel as valued 
that they felt as valued as they could. And that's the reason why I lost that much business like that. And I, I mean, it's a valuable lesson. It's, you know, that's more expensive than any uh, college education, but I'm glad for it. And I want to, I want to be better. You know, so, so let's talk about how you bounce back after that moment. You know, you, you took a big loss. There was a huge lesson learned. You had to look in the mirror and really say, Kelly, what did I do here? How did I screw <laughs> up? How could I fix this? How could I do better? So how'd you dust yourself off and, and get back at the next venture? Take us through that. It, well, it's just a one word answer to everything in my life, man. And my mom never cursed in her life. And she just would do this. She would go, shit. Like, and, and. When I did that, when I saw it, it Adam, I didn't lose $880,000 in revenue because there was a time where I didn't have that. <laughs> right. I had been blessed with $880,000 out of 800 square foot that I had the opportunity to lose. And that's been always my mentality is having that and, and getting that lesson. And I believe that I'm exactly where I need to be at the exact point. And that helps me to stay in that moment where the magic is. And the magic is the lesson, right? The magic is the story. And the magic is leaders saying not, oh, they did this, they did that. It's I did that. And I want to get better. And you know what? <laughs> I can guarantee you that I won't make that mistake again. I want to communicate at a high level and make sure that people feel valued all the time. I feel that certain mistakes are supposed to happen in your life. I think that, you know, <laughs> learning learnings come in many different ways and sometimes they cost a little bit more. So let's fast forward, talk about your current company and you do something that you call, quote, creating the narrative. Um, what is the best way for people to break down their story and the story of their business and how to communicate it to the world? Well, I think it's telling the truth. Uh, I think that's the biggest part. I think more people uh, sit down. Think, right? <laughs> well, they, I mean, they sit down and create a mission statement before they create a company or they've ever done anything. There's more people out there that my dad calls barking dogs that are, you know, telling you how to do all the things that they've never done. And for me, as I we built our company, you know, as we, as we move along and as I help companies, I'm not speaking from a sense of like, I read it in a book. I'm saying that guys, I've lost millions of dollars. I've left millions of dollars on the table. I've made huge mistakes and I'd like to help you not to make those mistakes. And we want to be honest with it. And I think that if you're honest with your challenges, you're honest with your failures, that's going to inspire more people than any success you could ever have. Well, it's, it's called accountability. And, you know, for me, I talk about it for folks who listen to my show. It wasn't until that moment in my life, Kelly, where I could be honest with myself and not make up BS excuses, not blame other people for my failures. Right. Like that was that was a moment when I was like, all right, now I could have a serious conversation with myself first and get my shit together. And that was a moment that changed everything. And I think people are scared. They're scared to face the truth. Right. I mean, that's that's kind of, you know, what I think there. But you talk about, you know, the six indicators for business uh, and life in a nutshell. Let's let's go over. Let's go over Kelly's six indicators here and what they really mean. Let's break them down. I tell you, they're simple and uh, it'll solve any challenge in your business, solve any goal that you want to move towards. Number one is culture. The co uh, Like I look at 99 percent of challenges in companies is cultural. It's the way in which people act, not the way in which they believe or what they so say they believe. Pause and, on that for a second. Yeah, Pause on that yeah. for a second here. How do, how, do, how do you define culture in the workplace? Well, it's an uh, environment for a sustainable growth. And so when you look at the actual meaning of it, um, you know, it's a place where people can grow and it, it takes on a, a, a personality of its own and a growth uh, uh, path of its own. And most of the time people are like, oh, we need culture. I don't have a culture. Yes, you do. I did this. I talked to a lady one time. She's like, well, I, we are, we're lacking culture because people show up late and they don't dress in dress code. And I said, that's your culture. And 
your culture is made up of what you actually do, not what you say. And there's so many companies out there that have the signs in the break room, but they're not living that. So their culture is completely opposite. So, and it's not an indictment of it. It's just to take time and be intentional on it. Because what I find is if you're not intentional with your culture, you're intentional on your culture. Hmm. So number one, culture. We got five more. <laughs> we got vibe. I won't uh, interrupt vi- them all. I'll no, no, no. If I got questions on them. Number number two is vibe, man. I mean, it's probably one of the most important things. I mean, it's it's the feeling, right? You know, it's not about what you say to people. It's not about all those things. It's how you make them feel. And vibe can be shifted so many different ways. We did it with music. We did it with, uh, you know, drink right. selection in the place. We did it from eye contact. We did it from dropping below eye level when we're talking to someone. So you give them power. Um, mm. You know, we did it in so many different realms, Subtle. but vibe is so very important because even today, Adam, on the podcast, on the podcast, um, it's not about what people hear. It's about how they feel. And you make people feel amazing. You're one of the best at this in the industry. Okay. So that's that, uh, that one. And then process and procedure comes third. Um, but most people put it first, which is the reason why their culture suffers. Um, then we go productivity. We have to look at the productivity and then we go innovation, which most people never get to because they don't have the freedom to screw up uh, as long as they write it down. And the last one is, uh, the ability to adapt immediately. Oh, and yeah. you know, if you if you have the ability and the freedom to screw up as long as you're willing to write it down, because all our rules and procedures are nothing more than a list of our screw ups, then you create <laughs> the inspiration for innovation and people start coming up right. with ideas because they have the freedom to do it. And the last one is that literally you have to adapt immediately. And that's where my mom comes in and says, shit, like shit. we tried it. It didn't work shit. out. Let's let's move. Let's go. Yeah, let's talk, let's talk about vibe for a minute in the business sense of a salon, right? Like there's a reason that some salons could charge so much more is because they're creating an environment, they're creating a vibe. When, 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 the, when the customers come in there, they're going to feel a certain way and they're going to feel premium and they're going to feel more inclined to spend $500 on a cut blowout in color versus going across the street for 150 bucks. That doesn't feel the same. It's the way you treat them. It's the way that they feel. And that's a commodity. Correct me if I'm wrong. In the business sense, you're creating an atmosphere and an environment and it takes in all those factors. Let's talk about customer service in the vibe and the vibe uh, element. What are some of those core lessons that you've learned uh, in the salon space around customer service? Never focus on it. Hmm. <laughs> we never focus on it, man. We only focus on the relationships, the true relationships inside the company of the team members. And if the team members get along really well, then the byproduct of that is going to be customer service because most companies, what I find, and when I'm working with, whether it be real estate agents, um, agencies, or I'm working with dentist, uh, the dentistry uh, side, or I'm working in the personal development side, um, what I find is that so many people are focused solely on the customer and they go so hard at their team. So they're nasty with their team and mm. their team is is the one that's delivering the service. Do me the favor, take a week and only focus on your team, lift them up and watch the way that they build the business as opposed to you having to do it. Let's pause on that. That, that That's a huge point. That customer success, customer engagement, customer satisfaction starts with the employees hundred percent. Like that's like, you know, that's, that, that's, that really needs to sink in there. So let's shift gears. Let's talk a little bit about podcasting. I checked out a couple of yeah. your shows. I mean, I always say a great podcast host makes a great guest and I hope everyone listening could see it here, man. But you know, how is, how is podcasting like working in a salon? Right. Let's talk well, about that. I think that's a real good analogy. In fact, that I would like, you know, I try to make my studio, like if I, one day, you know, once we get over this COVID thing, whatever, have people in here 
and I'm trying to create that environment, right? I want to create a vibe, an environment. Yeah. But let, what's the analogy there? The the comparison between podcasting uh, and 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 having a salon. Well, I mean, for me, the this the salon business was great. It was a foundation. It was a jump off for me, and, and you know, it was a it was a uh, a launching pad. And but I found that I literally, Adam, I only sell one thing. <laughs> The only thing that I sell, and actually I don't even sell it, I just give it away, is we we wrap cool around whatever it is. People want to be in a cool environment. People want to be on a cool podcast. That's, that's why I wanted to be on the podcast. Like, it's a cool vibe of what you do. And so when you can make things cool, which is adding value to people, contributing to them, and and really making them walk away feeling uplifted, um, then again, the magic begins to just come to you. And so I wanted to right. do that in, within the, uh, within the environment. And I want truly to, to help people to be able to tell their stories. I mean, that's the biggest part of it. Yeah. I mean, vibe, vibe, aesthetic, I get it too. Let's talk about God for a moment. Let's talk about the, the, the big, the big guy, gal, whatever, whatever you think it is up there. Um, why do you choose to talk about God so openly? I mean, how, let's talk about your relationship with God. I don't well, talk I mean, about this on the show. Let's get into it. Let's push yeah. myself a little bit. No, I love it. I mean, if I asked you like how many arms do you have, you wouldn't have any challenge telling me you have two, right? Or if you know, I hey, got man, three legs. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> no, you know, a terrible what, joke. <laughs> you know, asking you what color your hat is or whatever it is, it's it's something so ingrained. And it was something that, you know, an analogy for me was I went fishing one time. And when I went fishing, um, I threw the bait out and I reeled in and the bait was gone. And then I threw the bait out again, uh, bait was gone. I reeled in, no fish, no bait. And I got so angry. And then what God told me at that time, he said, look, you've got to take the hook and you got to put it through every piece of the bait. So that way, when the nibble happens, then no matter where on the bait, they're going to get the hook. And he told me after that, he said, that's exactly what I want to be in your life. There's no way that you could separate me from you. So it, it's not something that I'm trying to convert people or talk. It's just, it's my life. It's what I read about. It's what I study Great. and what I, where I spend my time. And I find like, Literally, like when you go out and you maybe you have, you know, a person out there that's listening, if you go out and have a bender with your friends and you're, you know, the next day, what do you sweat? You sweat what you drank last night. For me, my perspiration is what I put inside every single day. And that happens to be the Lord. I love it. That's good stuff. And, and it's <laughs> faith. And I, and I always tell people, I'm like, faith doesn't mean a God or religion or anything else. It's a, it's a strong belief. When I say the word faith, what does that mean to you? Um, believe, you know, the, uh, substance of things hoped for and the uh, evidence of things not seen is what, it, what, it, where it's at for me. I love it. And, and you have an amazing perspective on challenges in life and it's a true ability to stay optimistic. I think that's one of the things that I really love when I was doing my, my prep and even from the conversation now, but Kelly, when was the last time you couldn't bring yourself to an optimistic viewpoint about a challenge and how'd you overcome it? Oh man. And you're like, um, shit, I did nothing I could do here. <laughs> it's bad news. I think it happens. I mean, it happens on a day to day basis, but I mean, I could say that, you know, micro the, macro. Well, the, I, I would say last year um, when the coronavirus stuff happened, every one of my businesses just shut down in one day, everything like every source of income. And it was, it was tough at the time, but it like wars, wars are won in peacetime preparation. They're not, mm -hmm. uh, you don't prepare for war when war happens. And so the great thing is, is that, that God had been preparing me over time for those, uh, for those things. And I got called to the table. Like I got called to the table on it and I just got called to the table on it yesterday. I was, you know, my son or two days ago, my son was going to baseball. He couldn't find his baseball Jersey. I came up, I was in a rush and I was like, you need to, clean your room. You need to be in this. And I looked at my kids and they were kind of freaked out and they were kind of scared. And then I had to stop for a second. I apologized to both of them and let them know 
I'm the one that was in a rush. I'm the one that was bad. And I tell you, it's, it's probably one of the hardest things to admit, but it's one of the most freeing things to just say, shit, it was me. <laughs> because yeah, as a leader, that, Adam, it's always your fault. It's always your fault. It and it's always, always my fault. down to it, right? Mm-hmm. You're the leader. The, the shit rolls uphill. Right. And you got to take responsibility <laughs> yeah. for it. I love it. And uh, I'm going to take a little page out of your podcasting book here. And as I mentioned to you earlier, I got two kids, Nina's nine and Oliver is three. Kelly, what advice would you give them to be the key piece of advice to be successful in life? Well, I would say there was be three things. And it's what my mom gave to me. She scratched my back every single morning. And from the time I can remember, she said the exact same things to me every single day. And number one, you're awesome. To both of your children, what are their names? Nina and Oliver. Nina and Oliver, you're awesome. Every single thing that you do is awesome. If you get an F on a, a grade, it's awesome. If you get a, if you don't show up to some, it's awesome. If you show up late, it's awesome. Every single thing that you do is awesome. Number two, you're beautiful. Do not ever compare yourself to anybody else except who you are and what your purpose is. And every one, each one of you is unique in exactly what you're doing and you're supposed to be exactly where you're at. If not, God would have you someplace else. And the last one is you can do anything. You can do anything that you put your mind to, but just because you can do it doesn't make Make it the right thing for you to do. Make sure that you're in line with your purpose and you're willing to do the work that it takes to be able to get there. I love it. And I and I and I'm and I'm kind of like nodding my head as you go along there because I think in in some way, my own interpretation, I really try to do that, my wife and I daily. You know, that's truly what we believe in. Um instilling that self-confidence in our children, allowing them to go out and and fail and have a somewhat of a safety net, because I think that that children should be able to face challenges and just know that we're there for them and be able to support them and, and lift them up. Kelly, we talk about superpowers on this show. We're not talking about, you know, flying or, you know, being invisible, but what is that superpower that you have that makes you so unique that no one in this planet may, may have as much as you do. Being dumb. <laughs> That's mine, man. You can't borrow <laughs> You can't take that from me. I mean, we could do dumb and dumber three. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm saying I'm just dumb enough to think that it's possible. And so for me, you know, I, I've never, uh, you know, I've never been an executive producer on a movie yet. I've never written a, a best-selling book outside of my family yet. Uh, I haven't ever uh, produced a TV show or starred on one yet. Um, I've, I'm just dumb enough to think that this stuff is possible. And I know this is my dad taught me is that it's not about my aptitude, but it's about me being kind, contributing to every single person around me, making a ton of friends. And guess what? I have friends now that make TV shows. I have friends now that make uh, movies. I have friends now that are in those places. And what I find is again, all the methods in the world, all the agendas in the world, if you just lay them down and walk in with no agenda, except to be able to contribute to people and you stay in that moment magic will happen and you will stop looking yes. to accomplish success. Yes. All you'll be doing is now accepting the greatness that's already in you. That's what I'm talking about. That's a good stuff there. And Kelly, last but not least, you know, we've all had our, our struggles in life. And, you know, when you look back at those times when you were down in your shit pit, man, and you had to pull yourself up and harness that inner tenacity that you have in spades and you had to find your compass and latch onto it and pull yourself up. And on the flip side, when you're sitting here right now talking about, you know, the beautiful family that you and your wife have created, your children, you tell your story so eloquently and you express so much gratitude and passion in your emotion. It comes through the screen right here. How do you keep yourself focused? Kelly Cardenas, what is your North Star in life? My North Star is my mom, my dad, my brother, Rob, um, and my wife and my two kids. And when I, when I look to those, they're constantly encouraging me, telling me that I could do anything and they constantly give me wings and, uh, the unconditional love that I got from my mom and my dad from a very early age 
the encouragement that I get from my brother all the time. And I'll tell you this, Adam, just, just a second ago, um, today came out, uh, the success magazine and I was in, uh, there was a feature in there. I sent it to my dad and I said, Hey pop, I'm in success magazine and Tony Robbins is on the cover. And then I put one step closer and he, he responded. This is exactly how he responded. He said, Tony Robbins, people are excited that he's on the cover of a magazine that you're in. I love you, son. I'm proud of you. That's what I'm talking about. That's, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> right I there. mean, and I tell you, like as much as people are inspired by my dad and my mom, you can do that for every single person that's out there. You can do that for your kids. You can do that for everyone around you. And, and when we start doing that, we lift every single person up. You bring out the greatest in people and you allow them to do what they're great at. And I tell you, that's really, truly where the magic happens. And it keeps me on track because honestly, I have so many people around me, my friend, Good Will, stuff. my friend, Andy, my buddy, uh, Dave, my brother, Rob, all these people are constantly telling me that I can, and they're just constantly giving me wings. So I'm going to try everything that I possibly can. <sighs> love this attitude. Love, love, love this approach is a fantastic. <laughs> Do you watch Ted Lasso? Please tell me you watch Ted Lasso. Man. I haven't seen it yet. I've heard all about it, man. I haven't watched it yet. Watch Ted Lasso and then get back to me. Shoot me a note after you watch it, because I think that you know what you're talking about here and, and lifting up others because that's real leadership it's not lifting yourself up it's lifting others up to be their best and i love it and there's a tremendous conversation um i urge everybody to find out more about uh kelly at kellycardenas.com check it out i'm gonna link it up in the uh in the show notes here and check out the kelly cardenas podcast but where can folks connect with you directly where could they learn more uh, Instagram is one the real kelly cardenas and then uh, help me out on tiktok man get with me on tiktok I'm trying Cause my kids, my kids don't think I'm that cool being on TikTok, but I need TikTok game. I don't have that good of one. My daughter loves it. In fact, I, I, I don't know how good your kids are, but I've been empowering her to edit some of my videos on TikTok. She's great at it. Why not? Oh, they're, they're amazing. My, my, my daughter's like, you ain't cool enough, pop. So <laughs> I, if, if you could give me some TikTok game, give me some likes and loves, I, I'd love that. But, we'll um, you we'll know, see. like you said, the, 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 uh, website is a great one and the podcast is a great one too. Good stuff. Kelly, I can't thank you enough for joining me. Everyone, check out Kelly. Check out this episode. Remember, if you like this show, share it. Sharing is sharing is the best, man. Like I love it when people say, hey, listen, you got to check out, you know, Kelly on the podcast. It's awesome. You know where you could find more all social media channels and the podcast.com for all things the podcast. Remember, look out for one another, take care of each other, and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Take care, everybody. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com. <laughs>